Hi, church family. I'm so glad that we have this ability to connect online. We're about to go into one of our messages and I pray it blesses you. If it does, make sure you share it with a friend and, and share the love around. Make sure that you click like or subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages that we upload weekly. And jump in the chat so that we can connect. Even though it's virtual, let's make sure that we connect. So sit back, enjoy, and I pray that you're inspired and blessed. We're coming around, as Amanda said, part two of this message tonight, but we're actually a part of a greater message theme right now called Here As In Heaven. And uh, this is really who we are as Christ followers. This is our uh, core heartbeat. This is not just that we get saved and then we go, catch you later, earth, I'm going to heaven now. It is actually a, a disposition of our soul to actually bring heaven to earth. It's actually the mission of God, not just to have heaven come and transform us, but it's actually to come and transform uh, the world and the people around us. It's to see heaven come and be deposited and, and the culture of heaven come and overwhelm and overtake the culture of earth. And uh, as, as we've gone through this theme, we've gone through a bunch of stuff, but tonight we're, we're talking about this call that we have as Christ followers uh, to go and be transformative. And uh, we're going to wrap around our, my man Moses in the book of Exodus, and we're going to come around his call and his questions. This morning we talked around who am I and what is my authority to actually go out and to speak into this situation that God is calling us to. Tonight we're talking about the how we're getting pragmatic um, for all those people out there who are like to checklists and what's next and um, I'm all about the checklist and the to-do list to keep me on track so we're getting into that uh, but the essential what this all comes down to is this idea that people are God's plan people are God's plan so when when we read this scripture in a moment what we understand is that when Moses is sent he is sent as the answer to God's intention to save. We're going to come around Exodus. <laughs> the one spot. <laughs> the one spot. Exodus 3 verses. <laughs> nah. Nah. <laughs> 3 verses 7. If you're not in Friday nights, you don't understand. It's okay. But we are in Exodus 3 verses 7. And so we hear here. Uh, that Moses is actually getting God's call over his life. He's at the age of 80, and we'll fill in some of the blanks in a second. Uh, but the Lord said to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land that, um, out of that land and into another one that is good and spacious. Down to verse 10. So now go, because I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring out my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And then Moses, this is what we talked about this morning, objected and sort of said, but. God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I, it is I who have sent you, that when you have been brought 
uh, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will come back to this mountain to worship. The key theme that we brought out this morning is it's not about who you are, it is about who is with you. And so we now get to our portion of Scripture, which is actually chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And Moses responded again with another question. And he said, what if they, being the people of Israel, don't believe me or listen to me? And say, the Lord did not appear to you. Pretty much, what, do, what happens if they question me? And the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? And he said, a staff. The, when I was, uh, just got out of high school, I uh, thought I should get a job. Because, good move. Good move, young people. <laughs> Don't just don't just uh, just take the money from the government. You actually have to work and contribute, uh, and uh, that's a word for someone right now. And uh, but I decided that I would go and get a job. And I lived in uh, Noosa. It's a terrible burden, uh, but there's one of two things that you do in Noosa when you graduate. You either oh, a couple of things, but you go either into uni, which is I deferred, so I would go to that in a second. Uh, but you either get a job in hospitality, or you go into labouring. Now, my brother went into laboring, so I didn't want to be a copycat, so I got into hospitality. Um, and uh, I went for a few job interviews and a few job trials, and I, uh, my first job ended up being a restaurant called Bistro C, and uh, it is on the, the boardwalk of uh, the Hastings Street there, so I'd get to work in the morning, have a nice coffee overlooking the beach, again, a terrible burden. Um, <laughs> But to get this job, I, uh, I was confronted with the fact that I was quite a shaky individual. Um, if you've ever focused on my hand, you'll notice that I just constantly shake. Uh, my nervous system's jacked up, it's all good. Uh, but when I get nervous, I shake more. And so my job was running drinks from the bar to waiters' tables. And you have to be pretty still to hold like six wine glasses worth of wine and you're carrying it in this very non-stable, like wine glasses were not built to be like stable things, they're pretty. <laughs> and so you're taking these wine glasses down and I'm shaking and I'm surprised I got the job in all honesty. Because uh, in my first week I uh, spilt quite a number of money's worth of things, uh, but the worst thing I ever spilt was, I spilt red wine on uh, like an 80-year-old lady's sh white shawl as she sat there with her husband on holiday. And I'm not sure what guilt you've experienced in your life, but that level of guilt when you pour red wine accidentally over s someone else is not a great feeling. And so you're confronted with this reality. And so I Turns out I, uh, I wasn't a great waiter. Uh, I was better in, in, I actually became a bartender and went into coffee and spent 10 years doing that. So where you start. Uh, but 
I, I say that because I, th there's this narrative where I was confronted with what the reality was of what I was being asked to do. And Moses in this story uh, is confronted by what God is asking him to do. Because a little bit of backstory on Moses is he's about 80 years old at this point, And he's had two significant 40-year-old periods. The first 40-year-old period, he grew up in Egypt. Um, I'll fast forward this because you'll get it if you were here this morning. Um, grew up in Egypt and he knew that he was a Hebrew sent to rescue the other Hebrews, being the Israelites. Uh, so he tried to do that in his own strength and wisdom, and in his own strength and wisdom, that was murder. Not a good mix. Uh, so he, he has to flee because they're pursuing him for his life, and uh, he flees out into the desert and then continues to be a shepherd for 40 years. And we get to him at his 80th birthday-ish. He's seen a nice burning bush that isn't burning up and says, that's interesting, let's go investigate. God speaks, stuff's about to happen. But what we understand from this is Moses is carrying baggage from the last 80 years worth of experience, 40 years of absolute failure as a savior of other people, and now 40 years of shepherding experience, and he's just a, a ragtag shepherd guy. Like he's just doing his every day and God has called him in this moment. And his first objection, as we said, is all about who am I? And it's actually, no, God is with you. The second question he says is, God, if I'm going to go into this place, you're going to have to back me with some miracles or something to prove that I am actually being sent from you. And so he answers him with this statement, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? And confronted by this idea that God is actually going to use this simple thing that is in his hand to actually help deliver the Israelites from their captivity. Because we as people, we as Christ followers are also called to set people free. When Jesus came, he said, I have come to set the captives free. I've come to uh, release those who are in prison to things um, out of that not those criminals, like people who are bound by, by things of depression and open the eyes of the blind. He's come to liberate people. And we, in the same way that Moses did, we are called to be on mission to actually bring that narrative of heaven to the people around us. We are the plan God has sent. Uh, but whenever we get to this point, we are also holding to something of ordinary value and saying, God, what are you going to do next? God, I know you're calling me to influence my family, but I'm not sure about you, but look at me. I, I haven't had the, the father figure or the mother figure to represent what it means to, to raise a child right. Or I, I grew up in dysfunction. What does it mean to even have a functional family? I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like I have the ability or I feel like I'm equipped with the right things in order to actually see this through. Or I, I don't have the time to do this. I don't have the, the degree to do this. I'm not physically able. I, I've always walking with a limp. I've got a lisp. And there just seems to be limitations that we are quick to write as to say, God, why? What's, I, I'm not able. And I love this. And the point that we're getting to tonight is that when God calls you, he qualifies you. When God calls you, he qualifies you. So that when he calls Moses and he said, mate, I know you've got a shepherd staff and you, you like sheep and stuff, but I'm going to send you to Egypt. That's all he needed. 
You only need the Word of God to actually prepare the way before you to go and do and walk in the, the call of God over your life. If God has said it, that's enough. Because when God sends, He also sends away. Because he, he goes before you, He has given you everything that you need within yourself in order to actually go out and walk in the call of God on your life. He has given you every ability to walk into your workplace and minister to them there. He has given you a voice. He has given you a car. He has given you cooking abilities, some more than others. Uh, <laughs> but there is something that there, and that's the first point here tonight, that ordinary is enough for God. Ordinary is enough for God. If we look at the, the very first part of that state, uh, this story with, with Moses, now it says that verse three, uh, chapter 3, verses 1, now Moses was tending the flock and he saw this angel, or soon this bush. So in an everyday activity, he gets called out. And then what does he do? He's got his ordinary staff. And God says, that's exactly what I need in order to minister to my Israelites. What is it? It's your staff. But it's my staff, exactly. See, we, we read into this staff all the miracles that are about to happen with it. We know that it's the staff as he raised it over the waters that it split. We know it's the staff that was uh, the, the key indicator in those first three miracle, or three uh, things that brought them out of Egypt. We know it's the staff that when it struck the rock, the water came out. And so we see it as the rod of God, the rod of Moses. But to, to Moses, it's his walking stick. It is his everyday shepherd stick. It's nothing particularly flash. It's a piece of wood. I'm not sure about you, but for some reason, when I go hiking, I like to pick up a stick because immediately I become a serious hiker. But Moses carries this around. He, he uses it to shoe his sheep, maybe defend off some wild animals that are trying to attack his attack his flock and he just uses it to walk like it's an everyday item and God says perfect perfect I know you think this is just ordinary and you've disqualified it but ordinary is enough for me I know there's things in my life that I've disqualified but God says perfect I wonder what your list of ordinary items is what your walking stick is is that an open home is it a kitchen table that seats more than two people? Is it the ability, the fact that you're in just the workplace you're in? Maybe you're a manager, maybe you have ability to treat staff in a certain way that they have never been treated before in a good way. <laughs> maybe it's just you're in this house, you're in Redcliffe right now tonight. Right time, right place, and there's just something ordinary that God wants to move on your life. Something that He just wants to stir up out of you, just to take something that is so simple and so overlookable and say, that is perfect. You are perfect. I know you can't speak Moses, but I'll speak for you. I know you've only got a staff, but that's enough for me. Because God is calling you and He needs people to step out with just what they have. We're quick to say, well, if I was Moses, I would love some sort of military might. And so we say, rather than what do you have in your hand, what would I like to have in my hand? Well, I would love to be able to speak well. I would love to be able to be a great parent immediately. I would love to be able to do my degree just like this and be more charismatic. 
And so we're quick to write a list of all the things that we would like to be, but God says, no, you're perfect just like you. In fact, God is going to, God blesses you, not who you're trying to be. So when you look at someone else and you have that sense of comparison, maybe there's a little bit of jealousy that says, of course they've got it. So no, you've got it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That that the word of God is enough. The call of God is enough because when he calls, he also qualifies. That when he actually, he, when he sends the spirit, the spirit is enough for you to actually walk in and power and see things shift in around your life, shift in your family's life, shift in your friend's life. Why? Because you're just walking with Jesus because he's qualified you and he is with you and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I'm doing lots of ice chopping tonight. Just ordinary things. Other thing I notice in this is God's power is perfected in weakness. God's power is perfected in weakness. In uh, chapter 4, verses 10 of Exodus, Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant like three minutes ago. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who made the deaf or the mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what you need to say. I like that God doesn't disagree with Moses. <laughs> he doesn't say, yeah, you, you speak so good. I know you're discounting yourself right now, but your eloquence what you, when people look up eloquence, they see Moses' face. Like, they're not, he doesn't disagree with him. He says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've got some, maybe some imperfections, because I will be with you and I will teach you what to say. And so as we go out into our, our day-to-day and we feel incapable, maybe a little bit jealous, maybe a little bit unable, God is just going, I'm with you. I've got you. God is calling us beyond ourselves to take our eyes off ourselves onto his purpose, onto his people and saying, whatever it takes. If you've got to do it with a lisp, do it with a lisp. If you've got to do it with a limp, walk with a limp because it's about the mission of God. It's about seeing people transformed and set free into the kingdom of God, seeing here as in heaven. And this idea of, it, it, God just rhetorically trumps him, yes, but just this idea of, no, God is enough for you. You just need to say yes. You just need to keep in obedience. Our authority, is that not actually in our ability? It's in the call of God on your life. So yeah, you have gifts and talents, but just by themselves, they're not enough. You, they will never be enough to actually see and get them there. Even if Moses did speak really well. I love in Paul, uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 verses 5, he, he's writing to these guys, this church in Corinth, and it says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, that when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus and Him crucified. I came to you with weakness, in weakness and with great fear and trembling. 
my message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's wisdom. You know your imperfections and maybe, maybe you've got a lisp, maybe you've got some in- abilities. Your weaknesses are actually the platform for God to be glorified in and through your life. So that when someone looks at your life, they've got to go, only God. Only God can save that person. Only God can cause that transformation. I used to know so-and-so, and they used to be so angry, or they used to be so uh, to themselves, so timid, so shy, so fill-in-the-blank, but now they're bold. They have a confidence about them. What's different about their life? And they go, well, only God. Only God. Well, well how did they, only God. The weakness is actually the platform for God to perform, and it's in this weakness that God is glorified. Paul goes on to write in another letter into the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7. It says, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. Verses 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect for weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. I can't speak. I'm not going to speak with eloquence, but I'm going to demonstrate the power of God, the testimony of God in my life. It's not about us. It's about who is with us. It's about the message of God. It's about His call. It is about His ability to commission and empower people. He has got a call on your life. Don't let fear or insecurity or inability disable you because there's people that need you to step into what He has for you. And if you've got to do it with a lisp, speak loud and proud because it will glorify Him all the more. All the more, God working with imperfect people is His perfect plan. Imperfect people are God's perfect plan. Only God can do this. Even this narrative with Jesus, when Jesus came to the earth, He has this passage um, and He talks about, um, I only do what I see my Father doing. It's he even, he emptied himself of his, his God authority in a way, and he, he became the perfect individual representing a human, what it means to walk with God in a powerful way. And here we, like, here he is, he's going, I can only do what I see my father doing. So to us, it's, we're just walking and we're just saying, Jesus, where are you taking me today? Who are you talking to? It's like, where's Waldo? Who are you, where is he? Where's this person today? God, who are you speaking to today? Who is, who is my mission today? And as the band joins me, there's this sense that uh, in the next passage in verses 13 says, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Gives up all sense of niceties, gives up the show, gives up the excuses like, God, No. God, no, just send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, fun fact, that is the first time in biblical history that God gets angry. Mm. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you. 
and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak, and I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he, if he were your mouthpiece and if you were God to him. But take the staff in your hand so you can go perform signs and wonders with them. Sometimes you just got to go out and you just got to do it afraid. We have this idea that when I have absolute, like when I have obedience and faith around something, it means that I don't have any fear. Like Pastor Dan O'Farrell gave me permission to say this. <laughs> I'm just prefacing. But whenever he hops up, he's very nervous around speaking to anyone. That is, is not his... Um, what's it called when you can't read and stuff? Discs less, yeah. He's like, he said to me on the phone, if a dyslexic can preach, anyone can do anything. <laughs> He's just testifying his weakness that God can only do things. And sometimes you just got to get up and you just got to do it afraid. You walk to your friends and you're like, God, you better come through because I am flipping out right now. You're speaking to your colleague and inviting them over for dinner. Man, I'm freaking out right now. God's like, it's all good. It doesn't matter if you do it afraid. It just matters if you obey. You can just, you can just say, no, God, I'm, I, I know that. And you just sort of push back fear. And you say, God, I declare that fear will not be my leader. Faith will be my leader. Faith will guide me. Faith will lead my heart. And I have, yeah, you have bouts of fear, but you've got to push it back. And you say, God is greater. Remembering who He is, who He's called you to be, and to walk in His authority. The call is always beyond comfort. And it's just part of walking with it. You will always be called in uncomfortable places. When Jesus called to Peter, it wasn't, come walk on land with me. It was on the water. In the unsurety, where it wasn't clear, when there wasn't clarity around the exact next step. It's scary but it's about who is with you. God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. If He has called you, then He has made you able and He has qualified you for this role. Don't feel timid. And if you do, run through it anyway. You gotta push through because God's call on your life is bigger than fear. He has said perfect love is driven out or perfect love drives out fear. Gotta stand in who He's called you to be.